So today's Bible reading is Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, it starts um, halfway through a conversation between um, Moses and God. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, It's a staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put your hand out and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe in the, in the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside, in, inside the cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it onto the dry ground. And the water that you take from the, Nile, from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? or seeing, or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. And you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff with which you shall do the signs. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see that they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve. If you refuse to let him go, behold, behold I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him, um, put him to death. 
Then Zipporah took out a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, so let him alone. Um, it was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountains of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord um, with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the, all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all of the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Morning, everyone. My name is Jared. I'm the pastor here at High Wycombe. Great to see you all. And uh, please, will you join me in prayer as before we begin? Yeah, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would help uh, me to preach faithfully and clearly. Uh, help uh, me to glorify your name and all of us to glorify your name as we look to you this morning. Uh, Lord, please work by your spirit to conform us to the image of Christ Jesus for your glory. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, we are picking up uh, in Moses, uh, Moses in Exodus chapter 4, uh, which is halfway through the interaction that God has with Moses at the burning bush. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, we've seen God reveal himself as the great I am, the one who is who he is, does whatever he wants. He's all powerful. And so we, we're picking up uh, from there. Now, uh, I want to start by asking a question of what, what does it mean to believe? What, what, what is belief? Uh, what sorts of things do people believe in? We have everything in our world from people saying, you know, believe in yourself to uh, believe in the goodness of common man or believe in, I don't know, this, these institutions or things that can help you. Uh, today, belief comes up a lot in this passage. Uh, belief here is talking not about believing in, uh, in, in, in people like us, but in believing in God himself, putting our trust in him. Uh, taking him at his word, believing that he will do what he says he will do and trusting him and, and turning to him uh, to put our faith in him. Uh, th this passage uh, is, is a bit of a long one. It can kind of be thought of as, as, as sort of two broad sections. The first being where Moses comes with three objections to God. He has three uh, questions, objections, sort of like saying, you don't really want to send me, God. Um, and then we have three answers from God. Um, so we've got that first sort of 16 verses is the three, uh, 17, three, um, three objections from Moses, three answers from God. Then we see a movement back to God. We see a movement uh, back to him from disobedience. Um, and then that kind of will, will bring us to the end uh, where we see everyone believing and praising him. So for context, uh, the previous uh, section, uh, God says this in verse 18 of, of chapter 3. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him. So just bear that in mind. It says they will listen to your voice. God's just told Moses that. Then we begin our passage today with Moses' first objection. In verse, four, in verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. God just told him, they will listen to your voice. And Moses says, no, 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 you don't understand. They, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to my voice. Uh, they're not going to believe me. And they're going to say to me, the Lord didn't appear to you. Who are you, Moses? You're like a, 
half Egyptian, half Midianite. What do you what do you want to do with us Hebrews? Um, so he he's 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 questioning there. He's got a doubt about God's promise. You see that God has said something. He said, "I you they will listen to your voice." And then he's like, "No." No, they won't, they won't listen to my voice. So there's a, there's a doubt there, a doubt about God's promise, a doubt that God uh, will, will do what he said that he will do. Um, and so God gives this amazing answer. He says to him, what is that in your hand? He says, a staff. Uh, and, and, and then the Lord says, throw it on the ground. So Moses listens to God, throws it on the ground. It became a serpent. Uh, and what a day this guy's had. I mean, let, let, let's just acknowledge that he's found a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up. Uh, and, and the bush is talking to him. It's actually God. God's revealed himself to him as the great I am. And now he's got this stuff that he's thrown on the floor that's turned into a snake. So real massive, massive day for Moses so far. And I, I like to imagine uh, Moses running away from it like this. <laughs> that's, that's been playing in my mind <laughs> this week as I've been thinking about this. Uh, just like, can you imagine? Like panicking, freaking out. This staff is, is now a snake and it wants to eat me and kill me. Um, and so Moses, Moses runs away, but God says, put your hand out and grab it by the tail. And Moses listens to him, um, which, which is a pretty amazing uh, by God's grace. He does. He puts his hand out, catches it by its tail, and it becomes a staff again. And then we go, wow, okay. This is interesting. This isn't just some cool trick for, for no apparent reason or to scare Moses back into line. This is uh, uh, evidence of, of what? Evidence of God and his power. God says in verse 5, So that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So there's a purpose behind this sign. It's not just a cool trick like, hey, Moses here, you know, everyone's got a party trick. I can split an apple with my bare hands. I can show you that sometime. Um, this is not this is not Moses' equivalent of, of that. Like, you know, hey, let's let's all get our party trick out. No, this is to show the people of Israel that Moses really is the guy sent by God to bring them out of Egypt. That the Lord really did appear to Moses, that they may believe in him. And so that's the first sign. But God gives him another sign. He doesn't leave it there. He says, again, uh, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses takes his hand, puts it inside his cloak. And then when he takes it out again, behold, his hand was leprous. So covered in like sores and skin disease and um, very, very bad and, and um, not in a good way. And so he, he probably as well was feeling a bit panicked and, and scared and frightened by that. But again, this is not uh, just a cool trick or something. But he puts, uh, God says to put it back inside. So he puts it back inside his cloak. And when he takes it out, it's all better. Now, like leprosy in, in those days, I mean, leprosy here could be any kind of, a lot of skin diseases, but leprosy in the Bible, there were lots of specific rules about, you know, isolating yourself and all of that kind of jazz. But God here just heals it. Boom. Like his, it was fine. Now it's leprous. Now it's all better again. And so we see God's amazing power again. So, um, yeah, oh, another, another witness uh, to, to the fact that, that God really has appeared to Moses. He says, if they will not, uh, he says, if they will not believe you, in verse 8, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. So he's given, them, he's given him the snake that turns into, the staff that turns into a snake that turns back into the staff. If they look at that and they go, no, nope, God didn't appear to you, 
which I mean, that's a bit weird. But if they, if they said no, then, then God's given him another sign. Look, here's more evidence. This, this is real. God really did appear to Moses. Uh, believe in that. Uh, then then he, he says, if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, which is echoing the, the, the words that Moses used in the first verse, they won't believe me, they won't listen to my voice. If they won't do that for even these two signs, you will take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground and the water that you take uh, from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. And that's, that's also feels a bit spooky and scary, uh, but, but it's another sign of, of God's power, of the reality that, that it is God who's appeared to Moses. It is God who's equipping him to do these things. And so he will take water from the Nile if they don't believe the first signs and then pour it on the dry ground and it will become blood, blood. Now that's, none of us can turn water into blood. Um, if you can, that's a bit weird. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but the, 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 the purpose here is not that, that, again, not just to, you know, He's, he's not starting a kind of, you know, blood donation service. No, this is, this is for the purposes of illustrating that God is who he is, that God has appeared to Moses and that God is trustworthy. And so you can trust what Moses is saying. So God's given a massive amount of evidence. He's given a lot of uh, pointers to answer Moses's doubts about God keeping his promise. It's like Moses is feeling a bit uncertain, unsure that God will keep his promise. And then he's shown these amazing miracles that point to the reality that God will keep his promise and that those Moses is going to appear that he's kind of scared of the Israelites they're going to believe as well because God's given this this evidence so that's the first objection and the first answer they won't listen to me after God's just told him they will listen to you and then God gives him all of this evidence to show that they will verse 10 we get to our second objection Moses said to the Lord oh my Lord I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. So this is Moses doubting God's power. So we've seen him doubt God's promise, now he's doubting God's power. He says, I'm not eloquent, I'm not good with words, this is not really my forte. I probably wouldn't say that, but (laughs) this isn't my speciality. Uh, I I, I feel like with words, I struggle, maybe, yeah, this isn't really my thing, I... And, and even since you've been speaking to me out of the bush, it's not like my ability with words has gotten better. So really, I, I don't really think that I'm the guy. Uh, I'm slow of speech and of tongue. I fumble over my words. I really struggle. Uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not me. And, and so he's coming with this objection saying that, thinking that God is not powerful enough to overcome his limits. Thinking that God is limited by his limits. So Moses thinks, well, I, I struggle with my words. So how could, how could God use me to speak to people? But God is not limited by our limitations. Have a look at what God says to Moses in verse 11. Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God says, I made your mouth. I made your eyes, I made, I made your ears, I made everything about you. I'm the one who gives you that power to speak. You know, he, Moses is thinking, oh, I can't really do this. I'm not very good with words. As though he's thinking that he's going to do it in his own strength, that he's going to go and speak these things by himself in his own power. But that's not at all what God is calling him to. 
God is calling him to speak to the Israelites and God is empowering him as he does that. You see, God is not limited by the limits of his people. Uh, yeah, we may, we may worry that God can't use me for reasons X, Y, and Z. We may think that, you know, I, I have nothing to bring to the table. And that's not true. God made you and he has a purpose and a plan for you. And he wants to, to work through you to, to bring uh, great encouragement to his people, to bring the lost people to hear about Jesus and to, um, to, to grow us all in maturity in Christ. So we see uh, Moses' second objection of doubting God's power answered by God showing that his power isn't limited by our powerlessness. Um, so it, it doesn't matter if, if, if we can't speak, that doesn't, that, that's not a limitation for God. It doesn't matter anything that we would think would prevent us or exclude us from serving him is not a limitation for our great God. God is, is awesome. He made us. He can do whatever he wants and he can do what he wants through us as well. And when he calls us to something, he equips us for it. He doesn't say, you know, like when he gives us the Great Commission, go and preach the gospel to all nations and, you know, good luck and I'll see you at the end and find out how it went. No, he says, he says I will be with you always to the very end of the age. When God calls us for something, he equips us for it. We get to the third objection that Moses raises, uh, which is doubting God's plan, doubting God's plan to use him. Uh, he says in verse 13, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Just not me. How, how, about, how about someone else? Just, you know, I, let, let, you don't want me. You know, just, just leave, leave me alone. I'm fine. Just take someone else. Don't send me. And so this, this doubting of God's uh, promise, this doubting of God's power, this doubting of God's plan, all kind of comes together into a disobedience that underlies uh, what Moses is doing here. A kind of disbelief, if you like, in what God has said and what God has promised in God's power, in the things that God is going to do, in the fact that God has chosen Moses. He's got this disbelief. And so we see in verse 14, God, who's been very patient with Moses up to this point, his anger is kindled against him. Uh, and he says, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. So Moses' final objection of, uh, to God's plan to use him uh, expresses this disobedience, this disbelief that he's got. Um, and what does God say? Does God say, okay, well, Moses, then you stay home and I'll take Aaron. No, he says, you're still going to go, but I'm going to send Aaron with you. Uh, you see, he, he, God, God isn't, isn't going to be swayed by Moses saying, well, don't send me. No, God is, is, is in his grace sends Aaron as well. God knows that Aaron can, can speak well. He knows that he'll be there with Moses through these things. And, uh, and so God provides for him uh, amazingly, graciously. Uh, to send his brother as well. But Moses isn't going to be able to uh, kind of uh, skip out and, and, and avoid being a part of this. No, God has a plan and a purpose and a promise and that he's going to use Moses. And, um, and God is not limited by Moses' limitations. And God is true to his word. When he makes a promise, he does keep it. And God has given this evidence uh, for, for this, the truth that he has appeared to Moses. 
So we, we've seen three objections, uh, three answers, and, and an underlying disobedience and disbelief. Now we see a movement back to God, and this whole next section kind of documents that. Um, we see Moses do things here, um, and, and we see, yeah, we see a movement back to God. There is some covenant unfaithfulness that goes on here, but there is a movement back to God. So we see in verse 18, Moses went back to, his, to Jethro, his father-in-law, uh, and said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they're still alive. He's asking his, his father-in-law, Zipporah's dad, hey, can, can we go back to Egypt? Um, got to go see if my brothers are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace, you know, go for your life, have a great time, enjoy Egypt. Well, for, for, he probably didn't say that because they were in slavery in Egypt. But, you know, go back to Egypt, uh, that, that, that's fine, go, go peacefully, uh, you know. Um, I'm not going to hold you to staying here on the farm with me. And the Lord says to Moses while he's in Midian, which is where Jethro was, uh, he says to him, my eyesight's not great, where is it? <laughs> he says, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. He says, go back to Egypt. Uh, and if you remember, there were a number of people who wanted Moses dead, uh, whether it was Pharaoh at the top, whether it was the guys who, who saw him doing some stuff like killing a guy or, you know, uh, fi finding out that he killed a, an Egyptian. Moses was a wanted man. If you were traveling around Egypt back in the day, maybe they would have had wanted posters for Moses uh, that probably didn't. But, but that's the idea. They're, they're, they wanted Moses dead. Um, but God tells him, actually, all of those people who wanted you dead, Moses, they're now dead. So the, 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 the door is open for you to go back to Egypt uh, God tells him to go. And so we see Moses take God's staff in his hand. He saddles up the donkey, gets his wife and his sons on there, and they, they start heading back, uh, heading back to Egypt. And notice the staff comes up a number of times uh, because this staff is this, uh, this gift from God through which God graciously uses uh, to do these signs to point to, to who he is. And that's what Moses has with him. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I've put in your power. So you notice uh, that's in verse 21. Uh, do you notice that, that this was initially, uh, the, the first step is kind of do the miracles before the Israelites to get them on side, to get all of the people of Israel believing that the Lord has appeared to Moses, believing that the Lord is going to rescue them out of Egypt, and then, and then they can move on from there. Um, and then the next step of that is the signs that need to be done before Pharaoh and the Egyptians. The rulers, the ones who are keeping the Israelites enslaved, they need to see the signs so that they can, they can be told, you need to let the people go. You, you don't know who you're dealing with here. Like God is the one who's, who's bringing these people out of Israel, uh, out of Egypt, sorry. <laughs> they are Israel. And, um, and the Egyptians need to, need to uh, hear that and, and submit to that. Um, but God says this, um, See that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I've put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. So this is like a foreshadowing of what's to come with Passover. So uh, God is saying, to, to Pharaoh and to the, to the rulers of Egypt, you need to let my firstborn son, Israel, go out of Egypt. He needs to be set free, set free from this slavery, 
and sent out of Egypt uh, to the wilderness where God will then uh, continue to work with his people. Um, but, but he says that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Uh, Pharaoh isn't going to listen to God's call to, to let the people go. He's going to say, no, I'm not going to let them go. And so God is going to do all of these miracles and signs to, as a witness to them that they need to see, yes, we should let the people go. To the final point of it escalating to, if you will not let my firstborn son go, then I will kill your firstborn son, is what God says to, to Pharaoh. Uh, if, you, if you will not let my firstborn son Israel go, then judgment will come upon Egypt and the firstborn will be killed. And that happens later. And we'll look at that later when it comes up again. But it's important to just see God's continued thought ahead plan as to what's going to happen. None of this is taking God by surprise. All of this is within his mighty hand and power. And so he's working all of these things towards that, that plan for the glory of his name and for the good of his people. And this is that section of moving back to God. So Moses, who had been, don't send me, don't send me, don't send me. I can't speak. They're not going to listen to me is now, okay, I'm going back to Egypt. He's, he's saddled up the donkey. He's taken his family back to Egypt. Uh, but on the way, the Lord meets him and sought to kill him. Um, everyone understand that? Great. Let's just move to verse 27. <laughs> no, so, so that seems to come a bit out of nowhere. It, it seems a bit confusing. Uh, in verse 24, lodging place on the way, you know, they're, they're on the way back to Egypt, um, and they, you know, which is what God has told them to do. And, and they, they find a place, you know, a nice place to settle down, have a sleep, have a snooze. But God meets him and tries to kill him. And you go, what's going on here? Uh, well, fortunately, we're given some more details. Zipporah, that's Moses' wife, the Midianite, the son of Jethro. Uh, she took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. Great. So everyone understand that? <laughs> um, so, so what's happening there is God has given his people, Israel, uh, this, this covenant and, and the sign of the covenant. The covenant is that, that binding relationship he has with them. The sign of that covenant is circumcision. Um, and, and so that, that was to be practiced by all of the Hebrew um, men. So when, when there would be a new son born, he was to be circumcised. And, and, and so on, and so on, and so on. And to not do that would be, in that time, to be unfaithful to the covenant that God had given them. Because God had made it very explicit and clear, you need to do this. Uh, it appears as though uh, Zipporah um, was, was not super on board with this. And it, it also appears as though Moses wasn't really pushing for it. So there's a kind of like uh, covenant unfaithfulness there, where, where Moses is not leading his family in, in following God's promises as he ought to um, and I think that explains why the Lord sought to to bring his judgment on him and so Zipporah cuts cuts off the foreskin of her son touches Moses's feet with it and says you're a bridegroom of blood to me presumably because there was there was blood and because of marrying him that's what uh, that's what was then necessary for all of their sons was to be circumcised and so again here we see a kind of movement back to God Zipporah and Moses coming back to God rather than uh, persisting in, in covenant unfaithfulness. Then we get to, to verse 27. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. Remember that the, the, the mountain of God is, is where God has appeared to Moses um, in the first place when he appeared to him in the burning bush. Um, 
Moses then went back to Midian, then was on his way to Egypt, and Aaron met him at the mountain of God, and he kisses him, sign of affection. Uh, and Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord which, with which he had sent him to speak, and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. So, so Moses fills Aaron in on all of the, the things that God has told him, on all of the signs that, that he and Aaron are to do. And so we see Moses doing that, that job that God described earlier as him being like God to him and, and Aaron speaking. And, and so we've got, we've got here Moses giving God's words to Aaron, saying these things. Um, he's saying, this is what God has said, passing it on. And so Aaron uh, and Moses, they gather all of the elders and all of the people of Israel. And remember, these people are people who've been oppressed, really hardly oppressed in Egypt, suffering under really harsh rule of, of these Egyptian rulers and taskmasters who are making their lives super difficult, making them live as slaves, trying to wipe them out, all of those sorts of things. So they gather all of those people together. And remember, there are a lot of them as well, because in the beginning of Exodus, the more Pharaoh tries to clamp down on how many Israelites are, the more are being born. There's just more and more and more of them around. So they get this, this crowd of Israelites together. Aaron speaks all of the words uh, that the Lord had spoken to Moses. You see that? He speaks what the Lord spoke to Moses. And so uh, Moses is, is, that's the way that Moses is as God to Aaron, giving him God's word. And then did the signs in front of the people. So, so uh, we're not told explicitly whether they, they needed all three or whether they just used two. Um, but, but it is clear from the next verse that it worked. Have a look with me in verse 31. And the people believed. Remember back in verse 1? Moses said, but behold, they will not believe. And then you go to that. Mine's on the other page. That felt pretty cool. <laughs> um, you look at the end and it's, and the people believed. Just as God said it would happen. The people believed. Uh, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction... They bowed their heads and worshipped. So we've seen how Moses has gone from objection after objection after objection, this disobedience, this disbelief underlying all of that. Don't send me, send someone else. I'm really not all that interested and I'm not all that useful. So just don't take me uh, all the way to let's, let's go back to Egypt. That's where God is calling us to go. We're going back there. The sons are circumcised, uh, heading back in, gathering all of the people of Israel uh, through Aaron as well, speaking these words that God has given, telling the people that the Lord has come and seen their affliction. He's seen the difficulty that they're going through. He cares for them and he is going to act to deliver them. And hearing all of this, the people believe. Seeing the amazing signs that God has given, the people believe and they bow their heads and they worship. Uh, that, that's, that's the right response. When you see the greatness and glory of God, the right response, how could it be anything other than bowing our heads and worshipping him, praising this great and glorious God who loves us and who cares about his people, who cares about the difficulties that we go through. Whether they're small things or big things, God cares and God has come to, uh, to visit us. Uh, we see throughout this passage a number of ways in which this can, this can apply to us. Uh, when, we, when we look at how this uh, relates to the Lord Jesus, uh, there are so many wonderful truths there. And then when we look at how it relates to us as well, it gets really helpfully practical. And so uh, in, in the first section, uh, I think it's helpful for us to go, 
when do I have doubts or disbelief about God? When, when do, what, what sorts of things do I doubt? Maybe, maybe like Moses, we sometimes doubt his promises, that God's going to come good on, on what he said. Um, maybe, maybe we doubt his power, that he can use even us. Maybe we doubt his plan, that he will use us. You know, there, there, are, there are lots of different ways in which we can doubt or have disbelief regarding God. And uh, the amazing thing is, is that God gives us answers for these things. God gives Moses answers and evidence to show that he is worthy of believing in and to show the people of Israel that he is worthy of believing in. If you think about the Lord Jesus, uh, he went around doing amazing miracles. Uh, he, he fed 5,000, he fed 4,000, and there were a whole bunch of women and children there as well, so it was way more than that. Uh, he, 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 um, he also walked on water, he, he healed the sick, he cast out demons by just saying, you know, be gone. He, he calmed a storm. He did all of these amazing miracles uh, and, and the Bible attests to them. But not only the Bible, um, some, some people who are skeptics may be like, well, of course the Bible's going to say that, that Jesus did miracles because Jesus is the hero of the Bible, so they're going to say that. Here's an interesting fact for you. The, there's, there's early Jewish literature from the first century where, which is which is reliable, uh, which 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 documents the the Jews who hated Jesus, not those who came to faith in him, but those who hated him, saying that there was this man Jesus who went around doing lots of dark arts and evil sorcery, and and they they say things like that. They say that he did these 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 signs and things, but they were evil. It's interesting that they don't say that he they they don't say he never did the signs. They, they, they never take that tack. They never say, oh, this was all just some fabrication that never happened. No, they, they, they try and dispute how he's doing them because they can't dispute that he did them. And, 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 and that's a super helpful thing for us to know as, 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 as Christians today. As we, as we look at the Bible, we look at God's word and we know that we can have confidence in it um, because it's been given to us by God and that even those in the world who were there at the time recognized that, that Jesus was doing the miraculous. They didn't understand why. They tried to attribute it to something evil, but even they couldn't deny that the miracles were happening. And so we see here, God give Moses miracles. Why does he give him miracles? To attest to the truthfulness of the message. And that's what's the same with Jesus. God gives miracles to show that Jesus really is who he said he is, that Jesus is God come to save us. And so we have here, uh, a, a wonderful uh, way in which this applies to us today. Uh, if, we're, if we're tempted to doubt God's promise, all we need to do is look to him, look to his word and trust what he's, he's given us and see the evidence. He, he, he hasn't asked us to trust in something that there's no evidence for. He's given us plenty and plenty of evidence. Other example would be Jesus rising from the dead. There's no tomb of Jesus if you go to, to the Middle East now. Um, well, if, if it's still there, it's empty, right? Like there's, there's no body. There's no, they never found Jesus' body. Uh, and, and, and that's because he really did rise from the dead. That's the only legitimate explanation as to why this man, Jesus, uh, is, not, is not there in, in a body in, in, in the tomb. It's because he really did rise from the dead. So God's given us plenty of evidence. And so that, that can be helpful for us if we feel discouraged or doubting. Another thing is we may feel a uh, doubt that, that God could use us. You know, may, maybe, 
you know, you read the Great Commission and you think the Great Commission being go and make disciples of all nations. And you think, yeah, but does God really mean me? Like, you know, how could he use me? Maybe maybe I, I have a challenge with, uh, I, I can't think of the right things to say. Maybe I feel like, oh, I always feel like I'm one step behind or stuff like that. Or maybe you just feel like I don't have the confidence. I could, how could I ever tell anyone about Jesus? Um, or even I'm not good enough. You know, why, why would God use me? The Bible tells us that God uses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. God uses broken, foolish people like us as a testimony to how great he is. Isn't that awesome? He's not limited by us. And when he uses people like us who are limited, it points back to him. It points to his glory, his greatness, and, and his, his praiseworthiness. And so if you're feeling like, oh no, God couldn't use me. God used Moses and Moses didn't want to go and Moses didn't think he was, he was qualified. So, and you think back and you look, you look at the Bible and you look at the rest of Exodus and you see the amazing things God did with this man, Moses, uh, to, to bring his people out of, out of Egypt. All God's amazing work, not limited at all by Moses' limitations. So if we're feeling limited, we need to know that, that God isn't limited by, by us. And, and that's a great encouragement to us. Really, really wonderful encouragement. And then, and then also, uh, we, we see uh, Moses' objection, just that, that doubt in God's plan to use us, that disbelief that he would use us. It's kind of like, you know, no, not me, not me, not me. And we can also have that sometimes, can't we? We, we, we look at something like the Great Commission where God calls us all to make disciples and we think it would be, really, it would be a lot easier if just a few people could do that and we, we could all just kind of not worry about it. Um, but God calls us all to preach the gospel to, to, to everyone. He, he calls us all to love him and to love one another as ourselves. And so he, he, he doesn't call us to something that he doesn't equip us for. He's with us. He's with us through it all. And he's enabling us to do that, which he's called us to. And so for us, if we've got some disbelief or maybe like there's, there's some sin involved, like for Moses here, for example, not wanting to do what God had called him to do, then, then we, we come to God in confession and repentance. We say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I, I, I'm sorry for wanting to do things my way instead of wanting to do them your way. That's, that's, that's the crux of, of, of repentance turning to God and saying, look, I'm sorry, Lord, for wanting, wanting life on my terms rather than on your terms. I trust you, Jesus, that you took my death on the, on the cross for me. If you've never done that before, then, then that's the first step in, in beginning this, this Christian life is, is to turn to Jesus and to trust in him as Savior, to submit to him as Lord. And we all need to do that. Uh, we're, all, we're all going to be judged by God one day. And uh, the only way we can stand righteous before the holy God is to be clothed in Christ's righteousness. We don't want to be standing there naked and exposed. We want to be standing there robed in Christ's righteousness. And that's only possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this love that he's shown us, this grace that he's given. Moses will be there. Moses who, who messed up here but came back to God, came back to God, he will be there standing there clothed in Christ's righteousness. All of us who've messed up but have come back to God will be there standing clothed in Christ's righteousness. What a beautiful future we have to look forward to. If you don't yet have that, then I ask you to come talk to me 
pray with me and 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 just receive that gift today don't don't go another day putting off being right with god it doesn't make life easier now but it's worth it and and in eternity we will have this loving perfect relationship with him and with one another don't go another day without knowing where you're going when you die we're all going to die uh yeah sorry to break two if you didn't realize that um but we all we all need desperately jesus and this the salvation the righteousness that he alone can give us have great confidence in him we see that the, the coming back to god things like the covenant uh, unfaithfulness and then the turning back to God in repentance. And you see how amazing, how gracious God is? So it goes from verse 24, where God is seeking to kill Moses because of the covenant unfaithfulness, to just a couple verses later, when they have turned back to God, God relents. He's not, he's not, gonna, not seeking to kill Moses anymore. He let him alone, says in verse 26. Isn't that amazing? His grace, uh, we, we can think of God as some big meanie sometimes, but God is a gracious and compassionate and loving God. We turn back to God, His grace is there for us, enabling us to turn back to Him and forgiving us, washing us clean. He says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We just need to turn back to Him and trust in Jesus. And then we see at the end here, we've got this amazing uh, section where uh, Aaron and Moses, the words are spoken that God has given, uh, whether the signs are done, uh, where the evidence is shown that God really has appeared to Moses, that God really does care about their dire situation they find themselves in, and God will do something about it. And the people hear these things and they believe. They believe in God. They believe, they trust Him. Uh, not not just like some kind of, oh, we wishy-washy thing but there's a there's a real sense of the the depth of the trust that they've got here and we need that too uh it doesn't mean that they are without fault we see throughout the bible god's people continually stumble um, and that happens to us too in the christian life but we need the belief in god uh, the god who has come to visit us and has seen our affliction you see when we take a big step back and we look at the whole story of God and his love for us, God has visited us, his people, and he's done it in Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, who was born as one of us, was raised in this, in this life on, on this earth with flesh and bones, eating, uh, drinking, doing things, speaking to people, living a human life uh, with the unique reality being that he is fully God and that he's without sin. That's who Jesus is. And Jesus did that to rescue us from our slavery. Not from slavery to Egypt, but from slavery to sin. You see, each and every one of us is a slave. Either we're a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. There's no in-between. Either we're a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. We need to turn to Jesus, to trust him, to believe in him. And then we know we know for sure that we are a slave to Christ, not a slave to sin. If you're not sure, then get sure. <laughs> All we have to do to do that is to come to, to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. I trust you, Jesus. I trust that you died for me and I trust that you rose again. I believe you. I bow to you. I worship you. Just like the people did here. 
And, and, then, and then as we live this Christian life, we need to continually reflect on where are the areas of my life where I am doubting or disbelieving God and his goodness. And then we look at those, we see them, we repent of them, we give them over to God. Uh, the Bible shines like a light on us, exposing the things in our hearts. And as we, as we see that, we'll see things that we need to repent of and give over to him. So, we will come to God in prayer now. Please join me. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are the loving, gracious, holy God who, uh, who welcomes back sinners. Lord, thank you that we see your grace in how you welcomed back Moses, uh, who, who was expressing disobedience, disbelief, and covenant unfaithfulness. And yet, Lord, you brought him back to a position where you did these mighty works through him and brought your name glory. Lord, please help us not to doubt your promise, not to doubt your, your plan, not to doubt your power, not to disbelieve you, but to come to you in belief and in trust in you, that you are the great and glorious God who alone can save us, who alone can help us. So Lord, we confess that we're sinners and we ask that you would have mercy on us in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.